happy Easter from Unity Presbyterian Church. Let's listen to Pastor David's Easter message for today. All right, well, when I was younger, my family took a vacation up to Canada to visit some of my cousins. And it was around Christmas, and it snowed and snowed and snowed. So, of course, we decided we had to go sledding. And they took me to the top of this really, really big hill, and then they gave me the sled. And it was very different from any sled I'd ever used before. I don't know if it was Canadian or just, just different. I don't know. I was used to the big plastic ones where you sat on it, you grabbed the rope, and you just leaned back. This one was a little bit more like a bike, a small bike that you sat on and it had handlebars that you grabbed. Well, I mean, a sled's a sled. I was going to go down the hill. So off I went, and I realized that with the handlebars, it was a little bit hard to direct where you were going. And so I got off course, and I hit a rock. I wouldn't think much of it except I was gripping the handlebars very tightly and ended up breaking both of my thumbs. Can you believe it? I took a picture, so you can believe it. Here's, here's the picture of me with two broken thumbs. Those are the first and last bones that I've ever broken. Now, there is no good time to break your thumbs, but there is a worst time. And the worst time to break your thumbs is in middle school. Oh my word, can you imagine the teasing? Uh, for six weeks straight, every time I'd walk into a room, someone would say, David, how you feeling? Thumbs up? <laughs> and I would say, my thumbs are always up. Ugh. But you know what? The teasing was not the worst part of it. Imagine how can you write if you can't use your thumbs. So I went to school that first day in middle school and tried to write like a caveman. And then I remember coming home that day and just telling my parents, that's it, disenroll me. I'm not going to school anymore. I, I can't write, so I'll be back in six weeks. But my parents gave me a really good piece of advice. They said, no, one, you are going. But two, you can do this. Keep working on it little by little. I know it seems impossible now, but it will get better. And sure enough, what seemed impossible, learning to write without thumbs, I actually got a little bit better at it as I went. I mean, it wasn't much more legible than you know, how I normally write, but we were getting places by the end. And it makes me wonder, when in your life have you had a similar circumstance where something initially seemed impossible. It seemed, oh, there's no way. There's no way that you can do that. But little by little, you realize, you know, maybe this is possible. Maybe I can do this. Today is Easter, and so we are gathering today with an impossible story. I mean, we are talking about a man who died, died on a cross, and then three days rose again. And my hope today as a church, is that if that story seems impossible to you, that we can take some steps in the direction to actually saying, no, this is quite possible, and not only possible, but life-changing. And so I want you to think back to that first Easter, 2,000 years ago. Think about how everybody who interacted with Jesus 
their lives were changed because all of a sudden they had to grapple with what they were seeing. They were seeing a man that they saw die three days before, and all of a sudden he was alive. And they had nothing prior in their minds to help them make sense of what they were seeing in that moment. And yet, they were seeing it with their own eyes. And if that is not enough, not only did Jesus rise from the dead, but Jesus said that his resurrection would affect them too. That somehow their stories would be changed once it intersected with Jesus's story because he had risen. And if that's not enough, not only that, but Jesus said that this was true not only for the first people to see Jesus 2,000 years ago, but this is true for all future people too, which means us. Yes, Jesus's resurrection affects us today. Now, you may hear those words and not really know what to do with it. Uh, you may be asking yourself, how? How does Jesus' resurrection affect me today? Well, I'm here to tell you, we are going to learn how to write today. We are going to learn how to take a step towards the impossible together as a community of faith. And we're going to do that by studying uh, a man named Paul and his words. So Paul was one of those who saw the risen Christ. And when he saw the risen Christ, his life was completely changed, completely altered. And he spent the rest of his life wanting to get to know Jesus on a more deep level. And so we're going to study his words today, because I think they're going to help all of us take that next step towards the impossible. We're going to pick it up in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul says this, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And I bet that's true for most of us in this room. We are here today. We have gathered on Easter morning because we want to know something about God. Maybe you've been a Christian all of your life, and this is your 50th Easter service, and yet you're still yearning yearning to know God more deeply. Or maybe you find yourself this morning searching, longing, hoping for something of significance, for something of meaning in your life, and you don't feel like you've found it yet. Regardless of your starting point, I think we all want to know Christ. So my question is, what does that knowledge look like? Because there are different types of knowledge, aren't there? So when we talk about knowing Christ, do we mean knowing Christ intellectually? Uh, like when you memorize your multiplication tables. Or I'm sure everyone can tell us when Columbus sailed the ocean blue, right, in 1492. Is that what we're talking about? When we talk about knowing Christ? Because we can know a lot of facts about God, can't we? We can acquire a lot of knowledge from the Bible. We can memorize the Ten Commandments or, or other biblical verses. And that's valuable, and that's one type of knowing. But, you know, you can also know something emotionally, can't you? 
Have you ever said before, I just know this to be true in my gut? There's a sort of intuitive knowing that we can have as well, isn't there? Is that the sort of knowing that Paul is implying here? Or perhaps the best way to know something is through experience. Yes, experience is often called the best teacher. And so is it experiential knowledge that Paul is after here? Well, here's what I think Paul means. It is not enough for the resurrection to simply be an intellectual fact. Paul wants us to know the resurrection through experiencing its power today. You can know about airplanes through reading a manual, or you can go and fly on one. And those are two very different types of knowing. Paul wants us to fly today. The power of Jesus' resurrection affects us today. That is Paul's main point. And so we have to ask how. How does it affect us today? And to understand that, well, we're going to read now what Paul says in full. So here's again verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So we come to know Christ's resurrection by becoming like him in his death. Okay, wait, what? Uh, Raise your hand if that's where you expected Paul to be going. Uh, Probably not, right? That's a surprise to all of us, and yet it probably shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a surprise because you cannot understand life without first understanding death. You can't really understand what light is if you've never experienced darkness. One helps explain the other, and I don't think I need to explain death. Our world is full of it, and sometimes we're aware of it kind of from a distance. It's happening to someone else out there, and other times it hits really close to home, doesn't it? We know what death is, and we know what death feels like. It makes us feel powerless. It makes us feel like there's a just profound loss and grief that we are wrapped up in. But this knowledge, however uncomfortable, can actually help us understand the resurrection. Because a resurrection is coming back to life. A resurrection is rising from the dead. So for resurrection to be possible, death has to come first. So yes, we will one day die and become like Jesus in his death. But even so, God will allow us somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. In many ways, this one verse encapsulates all of the gospel, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and one day we too in Christ may rise. So when you find yourself in a period of suffering, which you will, because we all do, allow that to actually point you towards the resurrection. So Paul goes on. He explains how he wants to know Christ, but then he gets a little bit more detailed in the path of knowing him. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this, all of this knowledge, or 
have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying he doesn't have everything figured out about Jesus. No, that he's in the process. He is on a journey of more deeply understanding the power of God in his life. And you know what? We are all on that same journey. We call it the journey of faith. And we have not arrived at our destination yet. But we're on the path. We are in progress. And I bet that every person here today is at a different point in their journey. Some of you have been traveling this road for a long, long time. Others are just starting out. And still others, you might see the path, and you're thinking, yeah, maybe I'll start walking, but you're just not sure yet. All of these places are okay. You are okay, no matter where you are on this journey of faith. But no matter where you are, Paul encourages you to press on, to press on towards the goal. And and what is the goal? To know Christ fully and completely, to truly understand the presence of God in your life, to become completely connected with your Creator. That is the goal. That's what lays at the end of this path. So don't give up, Paul says. Continue pressing on. Seek to know Christ both with your head and with your heart. I wonder, what would it be like if you committed to one month, maybe even just the rest of April, to really seeking to know Christ? If you did that, if you said, that's my goal, to commit this next month to seeking to know God in a way I've not known God before, if you did that, what would be your first step? What would be the step on your journey of faith? Uh, Maybe it would be, I just want to pray every day. Every day for one month, I'm going to pray, even for five minutes. And you just set the timer on your phone, and you pray. Or maybe you say, you know, I actually want to get back to reading the Bible. I've done that in the past. I've not done that recently. And so I'm going to read Scripture every day and seek to have God speak to me through these words. Or maybe you say, you know what? I'm going to come to church every Sunday for one month. Because if I want to know Christ, how much better could it be to then be connected with what God calls the body of Christ, which is the church? Or maybe you say, you know, the intention's there, the desire's there, but I don't really know. And so I'm going to just call up one of the pastors. I'm going to call Dana or myself and say, okay, here's a little bit about my background. Here's where I've been uh, in my journey of faith. What next step would you recommend? We would love to talk with you. But I encourage you to think of one step. And personally, I do better when I write things down. And so in the outline on your bulletin, there's a blank. And the blank says, my next step is... I encourage you to take a moment sometime during the sermon or service today and write something down to say, I want to be changed when I leave here. I want this Easter message to not only be learning something intellectually, but really experiencing something about God. So Paul sets out this goal 
of fully knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection. And I find it very interesting to think that Paul, who wrote almost half of the New Testament, realized that he had not yet arrived at that goal yet. He too was on that journey. He was in process. And so he tells us more about that in these last two verses that we're going to study, about what that journey looks and feels like. Paul says this, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and striving towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Yes, sometimes you need to forget what is behind you in order to move forward. Sometimes there are obstacles in your path, in your journey with God, that you need to to leave in the background. I wonder, have you ever had a bad experience with church? Or have you ever had a Christian treat you in an unchristian way? Most likely we all have. And I don't want you to be surprised when these things happen, because neither the church nor Christians are perfect. But you're not striving towards the church. And you're not striving towards other Christians. You are striving towards God and God alone. So look at that verse again. Forgetting what is behind and striving towards what is, be, what is ahead. These are the two verbs, the action items for us today. Forgetting and striving. And when I think of forgetting, I think, well, that seems to be the opposite of knowing, doesn't it? And we've been talking so much about knowing Christ. And so here we are now forgetting, forgetting something, and we are forgetting everything that is keeping us from the goal of taking that next step in our journey of faith. We forget what is behind us, anything that is causing you not to take this next step, and we then strive for We keep our eyes focused on what God has for us. And so what do you need to lay aside today? What do you need to say, nope, I'm going to set that aside because it is distracting me, it is getting in my way of pursuing God and God alone. We forget what is behind and we strive towards what is ahead. And that word strive in the original Greek, and this was written, the whole New Testament in the Greek language, that word strive was an athletic term. And it meant to stretch forward, to reach, and to extend. So what I want you to think of as an athlete that is running a race, and the finish line is right there in front of them, and they are stretching towards it. They are reaching towards that finish line. Every muscle in their body, every fiber of them is stretching towards the finish. That's the word that's being used here in Greek. Now, if you're in that process of really stretching and extending and striving, can you look back? You can't, right? You have to stay focused on where God is calling you. I wonder, what if you approached your faith like this? What if you sought to know Christ and the power of his resurrection like an athlete? who is stretching and reaching and striving towards the prize 
of truly knowing Christ. Friends, don't settle for less than what God has for you in this life. Paul tells us that God is calling us heavenward. That's where our eyes need to be. That's where our focus lies. So the Easter message for today is to strive towards knowing Christ, who has died, who has risen, so that we too in Christ one day may rise. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.